Hey everyone, it's Jacqueline Melanick. Welcome to Chain Reaction, a show that unpacks and dives deep into the latest trends, drama, and news with some of the biggest names in crypto, breaking things down block by block for the crypto curious. Before we get started, I just want to say that we love our listeners and appreciate the reviews that you guys send in. We saw one earlier this month from a user called Sensory Overload, which was a funny name in itself, but you gave us five stars and a really nice comment. So I just want to give you a shout out and say thank you. And if you're enjoying the podcast, let us know. We appreciate all of you. And moving on to today's guest, we have Eric Svensson here. He's the co-founder, president, and chief financial officer at Blockstream, a Bitcoin and blockchain-focused infrastructure firm, among other things. The company was founded in 2014 and has its own sidechain technology, the Liquid Network, as well as Bitcoin mining operations and hardware wallets for Bitcoin and other assets. It most recently raised $125 million in January and has raised over $400 million to date. As for Eric, he previously worked on Wall Street as a former VP for AIG Investments and was a co-founder and consultant of other startups. His last startup he co-founded before Blockstream was Dan's Plan, a health tech company. Eric, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm happy to have you. So to start, I always love to ask our guests, can you tell me about one of the most interesting people in crypto that you've met or talked to in the past 12 months and what did you learn from them? Yeah, so unfortunately I can't name this person specifically. Okay. Anonymous. Yeah. But I think they fit into <laughs> a, a larger category of TradFi early blockchain adopters that are now mm-hmm. circling back and taking a look at Bitcoin again. So we started the company in 2014. In about 2015, 2016, there were lots of very large institutions that were interested in blockchain technology. And so we were approached about doing, you know, dozens of proof of concepts. We elected to not pivot the company to focus on these proof of concepts, but instead just keep our head down and build out our platform. Mm -hmm. And now these same TradFi engineers are coming back and taking a real interest in Bitcoin and and our platform, which is interoperable with Bitcoin. So what I learned is that as a result of some of the kind of broader crypto failures in the last 18 months, building on Bitcoin is suddenly cool again. (laughs) You know, I'm glad you brought up that like TradFi element too, because you have that background and I'm sure you know a lot of people in that space. And I remember during the last bull market we had, there was all this narrative around like TradFi is moving to crypto. All these people are leaving their jobs at these massive banks to come work for like crypto startups or these centralized exchanges. Do you still see that kind of migration or has it slowed down? What is kind of the sentiment there? Yeah, that's a great question. We did see that. Right. And we were able to add some pretty solid TradFi analysts and other folks to our team. I think it has slowed down quite a lot. I think that some of the turbulence that everybody experienced last year, you know, maybe caused people to pause a bit <laughs> on their career changes, but it was definitely something that we benefited from. And you're right, my background in traditional finance helps put a, a finer point on what we're building a Blockstream. And it's it's great to see other people seeing the opportunity and uh, making the jump outside of uh, traditional finance. Right. And then looking at Bitcoin-focused businesses, how do you think the current macro environment impacts them? And whether it be onboarding or operations or just the day-to-day factors? Yeah. So our biggest challenge during this current market is access to capital. You know, we decided early on not to 
issue our own token. We didn't raise an ICO like many projects did. So we've been relying on kind of more traditional VC investment. Mm -hmm. I think investment into crypto kind of peaked early last year, but Bitcoin itself has always been an area that has been undercapitalized. And so we're fortunate to have some really bullish Bitcoin investors on our cap table, but they all have LPs. <laughs> and so the turbulence in the market more broadly has you know, kind of made that more challenging because the LPs of our VCs are trying to parse both the macroeconomic factors and then also the industry-specific friction that everybody's experienced the last year. Mm -hmm. I feel like Bitcoin builders, people building on Bitcoin, whatever you want to call them, has been compared as a bit slower to the other blockchains out there that are like constantly moving fast and breaking things, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Right. But this year, Bitcoin, we saw ordinals. I'm not sure if you're a fan or not of ordinals, but I think that was kind of an interesting development on the blockchain. And then also I've seen a rise of Bitcoin folks' accelerator programs. So I'm curious, do you think that Bitcoin will get this like second rejuvenated push to continue its advancements and, you know, be a competitor against these other blockchains? Or does it even have to compete against others? It's just its own entity. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't think it needs to compete in many areas. I think some of the DeFi and other projects that are built on non-Bitcoin blockchains are interesting in terms of the long-term potential of blockchain technology. So what we've done is taken the approach of looking out over the long term and extending the Bitcoin protocol to other high value use cases. So some of the same technology that makes NFTs possible also makes very complex financial transactions possible rather than kind of pivoting to take advantage of a, a short term interest in NFTs, for example, we recognize that that technology is valuable and keep our head down to try to extend that into sophisticated derivatives or other types of financial assets that will benefit from the same technology that makes it possible to have the only picture of this rock in the world. Right, right. I'm glad you brought up the tech too, because earlier in the intro, I mentioned your company created the Liquid Network. And I was wondering if you could kind of explain one, what that even means when I said that it's a sidechain technology, because I don't know if that went over some yeah. people's ears or whatever, but I feel like we should dive into that. And also, how does it compare to the Lightning Network? Or are they completely separate? Yes, they're separate and they're all interrelated. <laughs> Distant cousins. Bitcoin has taken a layered approach to its architecture. Rather than adding every single feature possible to support every single use case possible, the core developers decided to keep the Bitcoin main chain, you know, a very conservative approach to changing that code base and instead supporting other layers on top of that main chain. And that is what Liquid is. It's a layer two, they call it. If Bitcoin main chain is layer one, Liquid is a layer two. In fact, that's the reason that we formed Blockstream is that our CEO, Dr. Adam Back, had lots of ideas for ways to extend Bitcoin and, and serve other parts of the global capital markets. But the Bitcoin core developers didn't want to push those changes through to Bitcoin proper. So we formed Blockstream to build out those features that could be interoperable with Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But those changes were not made to Bitcoin specifically. So Liquid is an example of a layer two that is based on the Bitcoin protocol, adds features like confidentiality. So you're not showing what the value of your transaction is or even the asset that's traded. And it's optimized for very fast settlement. So if you imagine a trader sending hundreds of Bitcoins between exchange accounts, that can all happen on Liquid 
and does not hit the main chain. So it increases the transaction throughput on the main chain. Mm -hmm. uh, Lightning is another layer two that's optimized for very small micropayments. The three together, Liquid, Lightning, and the Bitcoin main chain are very elegant and really improve the capacity of the Bitcoin blockchain. And these L2s kind of operate in a way to scale Bitcoin, correct? Because transacting on the actual chain is slower, costs more work, and more block space. Exactly. So it improves the capacity of Bitcoin. It also extends the things you can do with Bitcoin. So Liquid, for example, supports stable coins and other security tokens and interesting assets. And so you can see how being able to trade Bitcoin for you know, Tether, for example, a U.S. dollar stablecoin mm -hmm. can facilitate round-trip trading and, and really be valuable for a sophisticated trader. Lightning is optimized for smaller payments, either using Bitcoin to pay for your coffee, right. but also there are other use cases that aren't related to Bitcoin at all, such as cross-border payments or power grid management using Lightning, which is independently a very efficient payment network. And then I saw recently that Blockstream announced plans to raise 50 million more to buy more mining equipment. How are the mining operations going for you guys? I've written about this in the past. It's been a little while since I've written about Bitcoin mining, but I remember it wasn't doing too hot with the energy use and Bitcoin's price being down. But now, you know, Bitcoin's price is around 26K at the time of recording. So maybe things are a little better. How's it going for Blockstream? Yeah, so I'll address both of those. So <laughs> Please, the yeah. announcement you're referring to is actually a financial product that we're about to launch. Okay. I mentioned a bit about our software development. We also take a very full stack, vertically integrated approach to mining. So we offer co-location services for institutional miners. We're bringing our own Bitcoin mining hardware to market. The bridge between our mining operation and our software development is in the form of Bitcoin-based financial products that we offer. And one of those, as you mentioned, is that we see an opportunity to give investors exposure to the value of the mining hardware itself. So as you know, Bitcoin is a volatile asset. The hardware that mines Bitcoin is even more volatile. So when the price of Bitcoin increases, the price of mining hardware increases more. And when the price of Bitcoin falls, the price of mining hardware falls also. Right. So this is an interesting opportunity given that the price of Bitcoin has pulled back to raise third-party money to invest in the actual mining hardware with the theory that based on past data, the price of Bitcoin miners will increase more than the price of Bitcoin over the next 18 to 24 months. So this gives investors who are bullish on Bitcoin an opportunity to get a Bitcoin on Bitcoin return. Okay. So using X Bitcoin to buy part of this product will result in, you know, whatever multiple of X Bitcoin when we close the fund. Okay, cool. On the mining side, as I mentioned, we offer a whole suite of mining services for institutional customers. And the demand for that service is through the roof. A few things are affecting that. One is that there is an oversupply of Bitcoin mining hardware at the moment. Two years ago, or even a year ago, there was a shortage of mining hardware. People placed very large orders and succeeded to get the miners, but now they're sitting on pallets because another trend in the industry is that there's a, a shortage of power to activate those miners. Even when the price of Bitcoin pulled back, Bitcoin mining was very profitable. And with the halvening coming up in the spring of next year, miners are anxious to get their hardware online so they can mine as many Bitcoin as possible before the, the May approximately uh, Bitcoin happening. So 
demand for our, our hosting services is very strong at the moment. Right. Okay. And then for those who do not know, Bitcoin halving is an event that occurs when the reward for mining Bitcoin transactions is cut in half. I think it's every four years or so, correct? Right, Eric? Yeah. The way that the protocol works, <laughs> every approximately 10 minutes, a certain number of Bitcoin are rewarded to the miner that discovers the block in the way the protocol adjusts as the mining network grows and, and shrinks is to target approximately every four years this happening event happens. Right. Yeah. And there's a lot to be anticipated on that front. But we're going to take a quick break before we get into the rapid fire round and we will be right back. We are back. Now it's time for our rapid fire segment where Eric will answer our questions. They'll be like quick yes or no's, this or that. He'll get it. <laughs> to start, Eric, what's one quality or trait every startup founder should have? That's uh, not a yes or no answer. It's a word. It's one word. <laughs> I think consistency. Consistency. Okay. Would you rather focus solely on Bitcoin mining or solely on hardware wallets? Those are my only two choices, probably Bitcoin mining. Okay. You could have said both. I can't control your answers. <laughs> okay, both. Yeah, okay, both. They're all part of the broader ecosystem, which we <laughs> think is critical to advancing Bitcoin. There we go. All right. Would you start another company? I think so. I have no plans to leave Blockstream, but mm -hmm. I love working for startups. I love building, you know, working towards a mission. So if I could start another company like Blockstream, I would. Absolutely. What do you think is missing in the crypto world in regards to getting TradFi into it? This could be a sentence. <laughs> there are going to be lots of commas in this sentence. Okay. <laughs> we'll allow it, yeah. I think more security tokens or digital asset issuances are going to be what pulls TradFi in, comma, because I think a lot of the historic use cases for blockchain technology relate to cost savings and efficiency, but it's a lot sexier to create a new revenue stream for big institutions. And I think digital assets and security tokens do that. All right. Period. Period. <laughs> do you prefer building during a bear or bull market? Well, we build regardless. Yeah. It's a lot more fun to build in a, in a bull market just because there's a lot less friction in the broader ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So it's more rewarding to build through a bear market, but it's more fun to build through a bull market. All right. Bull it is. Do you think the Bitcoin space is underdeveloped in terms of innovation? I don't think there's a lack of innovation. As I said before, I think there's just a lack of capitalization. And so there are dozens of really interesting companies that are building on our technology and their ideas are stellar. If we could get more funding in the space, I think that would really unlock the potential of what they're building. And that's the end of it. I hope that was, you feel good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, good. Usually we talk about the crypto world the whole time and you've been in the startup space and the TradFi world. And I asked you a little bit about that before, but I kind of wanted to go towards that again. Obviously, we've been in a bit of a prolonged bear market and a lot of companies are starting to feel that pain if they aren't already. Yep. How many crypto and blockchain companies do you think are in trouble today based off like what you see looking at the whole ecosystem? I think that there are very few late stage Bitcoin companies and late stage funding is very hard to come by these days. One of the reasons is because as you get closer to being a potential public company, you're compared to public comps. And so if investors can get a rock and deal on a 
you know, a public company's equity that's trading, you know, well below its highs, that's probably where they'll decide to invest. For early stage Bitcoin companies, we're seeing that it's still very strong, specifically in the Lightning space, because the Lightning space is accelerating rapidly. It's, you know, where Bitcoin was a few years ago. And so if you're an early stage Lightning company, especially, there are many investors who are really bullish on Bitcoin and Lightning. And and so early stage funding isn't as challenging. And to answer your question directly, I think a lot of companies in the Bitcoin space were successful raising rounds before the bottom fell out. So the opportunity cost to not being able to grow during this bear market is pretty big. So I'm sure all those companies would prefer to raise more. But the mining space is separate. There have been a lot of companies running into very hard times on the mining space. On the blockchain development side, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's kind of going on and and will hopefully bear fruit when the market turns. Right. If you can, can you give an estimate or percentage of how many crypto companies across the board do you think will make it within, let's say, the next three years? Are you talking crypto or Bitcoin? (laughs) I guess we've been focusing more on Bitcoin. So like, let's say Bitcoin and Lightning Network focused startups. It's hard to put a percentage on it. I actually think a lot of companies are working on really cool ideas that will either be consolidated or will make it. So I think a much higher percentage of lightning companies than kind of your average tech startup will make it, Mm -hmm. especially when the market turns and suddenly investing in Bitcoin is cool again. What do you think would drive them making it opposed to others? As opposed to just your average technology startup? Yeah, or another like crypto startup or other blockchains. Yeah, I'm biased admittedly, but I believe Bitcoin is the most secure, most robust, most scalable blockchain in the world and provides the best foundation to really add extremely high value use cases. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to convince a TradFi institution to pivot part of their business and build on a blockchain, my money's put on Bitcoin protocol. And Lightning is an extension of Bitcoin that allows for a wider range of use cases on the underlying Bitcoin protocol itself. So I have a few more thoughts here, Eric, about everything we kind of talked about, you know, with the bull market, bear market situations that we've been seeing. Blockstream has been around for almost a decade at this point. So I'm curious, being in this space for so long, how has it managed to survive through those cycles and adapt to what the market has become today? Yeah, I think I'll go back to one of my rapid fire (laughs) answers. I think we're not perfect but we do a really good job at staying consistent. And I think that is the key to our success. When I met the co-founders in early 2014, Adam, our CEO, had a very specific vision. And even through all of the twists and turns of the broader Bitcoin and crypto space, we've been pretty consistent with approaching that really long-term mission. I mentioned we avoided proof of concepts. We avoided issuing our own ICO. Mm -hmm. There have been other things that we've been tempted to kind of, even if it's just a mini pivot and tackle because it was a, you know, a short-term fad or some of the things that were short-term that we avoided weren't simply fads, but anyway, just being very consistent through the good times and the bad times and really believing in our strategy, even when there were reasons why we should curtail what we were working on, reasons why we should expand what we were working on to take advantage of a short-term opportunity. But we've been very consistent because we believe so much in our mission. Mm -hmm. 
On that note, can you leave us with a piece of advice perhaps for Bitcoin and Lightning Network startups or something else along those lines? I think Bitcoin and Lightning startups should take advantage of this opportunity when the market is more bearish to position themselves for the future, not just continue to do what they've been doing, but really pick out the things they think are going to take off when the market turns and really lean into those, including lining up potential investors, partners, other folks that believe in what they're doing and can help them kind of continue to accelerate once the market turns. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you. We'll be back next week with conversations around what's going on in the wild world of Web3 with top players in the crypto ecosystem. You can keep up with us on Spotify, Apple Music, or your favorite pod platform and subscribe to our companion newsletter, also called Chain Reaction. Links to the newsletter and stories we talked about can be found in our show notes. And be sure to follow us at Chain underscore Reaction on Twitter. Chain Reaction is hosted by myself, Jacqueline Melanick, and produced by Maggie Stamets, with assistance from Yashad Kulkarni and editing by Kel. Bryce Durbin is our illustrator, and Henry Picavet manages TechCrunch audio products. Thanks for listening in. See you next time. 